Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Webcast Podcast with me, Paul McGee, and today I'm joined by Samantha Redford. Hello. Hey Sam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Good, good, very good. We're going to be watching... <laughs> yeah, good, good, very good, that's right. <laughs> Top... I always sound like a fucking DJ, how does that happen? <laughs> right. So today we're doing the commentary of, of Green Room. Yeah, which uh, which we watched a little while ago, um, as almost weeks like a ago. Mid- yeah, almost like a midnight movie, and I think this is one of those midnight movies, like uh, it works best late at night type scenario type thing. Definitely, <laughs> it definitely does. Your face was like, ah, yeah, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I think I'll just get to. Uh too nervous you know with the whole yeah. chasing thing it's, yeah it's it's quite tense but, yeah. but we really enjoyed it which is why we're going yeah, to do a commentary yeah it's a great film it. even though it's it's had some kind of like uh, mixed reviews no I, I, I yeah I has it, it? Really, really cool yeah, oh, God, yeah. it has yeah but we'll talk about that whilst we watch the movie ah. so if uh, if you're listening and you want to watch the movie with us we've got it up now so I'm going to press play Oh, Let's see yeah. if we can synchronize synchronize this. Ready, in oh, on well, one. Okay. Are we, have we? Have you done it, or have you not? Done <laughs> no, it? no. I was going to do a countdown. Three, two, one. That wasn't it. That wasn't the countdown. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Here we go. That was me instigating what the countdown's okay. going to okay. be. Right. Okay. Here we go. Ready. Three, two, one. There we go. So I got the tiger. Oh no, it's the, the MGM logo. Oh, mine up. did not come with an MGM logo. It just went straight to the tiger. No, the tiger's going to turn into MGM logo. Ah, Pitch House Entertainment. Yeah. Are you seeing that? Yeah, I've got there that. There we go. Okay, right. so pretty much. <clears throat> we're on, we're on. Okay, so as we were saying, we watched this a couple of weeks ago. Um, Kind of after all being out and getting drunk all day. And, it was uh, a good day really enjoyed it yeah so uh made sense to do a commentary of it um where are we at we're still we're still going through all the uh all the people that made this movie film science yeah it takes a lot Is of people it... nowadays to make a film doesn't it it does it does particularly like a an indie independent film i suppose because you need to throw a decent size amount of money at it i think this costs like five million quid so it's not too bad though really hmm uh, Oh, there's Anton Anton Yelchin lying in the car with his arm on show. I thought that was quite significant when I watched this again the other day. Yeah, like the exactly. first shot I is that. him sleeping on his arm. That's yeah. a good shot as well in the wheat field of the car. Yeah. And this is, so Green Room is by uh, Jeremy Saunier. I think that's how you say his name. Um, who also made, his debut film was uh, Blue Ruin, which oddly also starts with a character asleep in a car in the ah. early morning so I wonder if he did that on purpose sometimes I think I look too deeply at these things it may just be a coincidence but yeah it's nice that one was one person this one is a whole bunch of people I think that's the thing though isn't it when it's one person it's it's more kind of like plausible the only issue I have with this particular scene is that it feels like it's a setup for something more significant I suppose it's it's just quite unbelievable that everyone fell asleep 
and <laughs> drove into I, a cornfield and no one seemed to notice until the next day. Well, or, or that the car didn't turn over entirely. I like yeah. I like the the whole the whole like uh opening shot is almost like the film begins with them having somehow miraculously escaped serious injury or death. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of foreboding really for at least uh at least one of the characters. We can do spoilers. I don't imagine anyone's watching this having not watched it already. No, so here they can you are imagine? Stealing some petrol. Can old stealing petrol. I've never had to do this, but like I've seen it done and like you have to suck I think yeah. So he's sucking up the petrol with one tube. I don't know how science works. No, I don't know how science <laughs> works. It'd be like a giant straw, but I feel like you'd be really knackered trying to suck something with a straw that fucking huge. I don't know. That sounded really wrong. Yeah, that did sound very wrong, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> it's not science. That's not science. That's biology right there. <laughs> that's a different branch of science. <laughs> oh, I hope Mike picked that up. <laughs> I think it did, hopefully. Oh. So um, here they are in their car. This reminded me, there's something a little bit... Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre about this little bit here. Yeah, Again, or Harry Potter. <laughs> or Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Where does that remind you of Harry Potter? Well, you know, every single time I see any aerial shot of a car or a train going down um, like a road in the countryside, it just reminds me of Harry Potter, the train. Oh, the yeah, Hogwarts yeah. Express or whatever it's called, going to Hogwarts. Yeah, I get it. This is like the, the, the marvel of drone cameras, though, is that you get loads more of those aerial shots than you used to. Like those ones that look yeah. like they're almost... The Earth is 2D below, as yeah. it were. Complete overhead. All right, so now they're in what looks like... That's not San Francisco, but I don't think it is. No, because it's supposed to be on the East Coast. I read that somewhere. So this is punk Air, Airbnb right here. Punk Airbnb? Yeah, because they're staying at some... Oh, um, Punk Airbnb. Airbnb. Sorry, I don't know why, but I just did not get that at all. (laughs) Uh, What, um... All right, okay, so I remember this bit being kind of very talky, so uh, we'll ignore it for a second. Yeah. I'm going to run through um, one of the facts that I found through IMDb. Uh, Okay. So IMDb IMDb has this kind of whole thing where if if you're looking at a film... I think, what do they call them? Do they just call them like funny facts or fun facts or something like that? And, uh, or it's, oh, it's goofs. That's it. It's goofs, right? So, and these are a little bit kind of anal, I think, in general. Okay. So this is the goof that comes up at this point. Uh, it's, it's entitled Errors in Geography. Okay. So someone has made the point to put that the movie takes place on the East Coast, uh, but the locale looks like the West Coast. When they show a volcano, Mount Hood in Oregon, in the background, you know they are not on the East Coast. Well, I'd, I'd fucking turn the film off immediately because it's clearly... Yeah, it's just... It, it's, it's broken the fourth wall. For riddled, me. riddled with errors. That yeah. screwed it for me. <laughs> I can't believe it. I don't that, believe that, it's real anymore. That mountain really broke the fourth wall. <laughs> Damn it. Uh so here they are being interviewed. Oh, this is this this is so this is a long running thing through the film where they start talking about um their desert island discs or their desert island band, the band they would take. Um I gotta say as well, so I watched this again the other day just to make some mm. notes for this podcast. 
and it works so much better when you've got the subtitles on with this film like a a lot of the um a lot of the criticism that i looked at online was to people saying i didn't really get what happened there or why that happened or this that and the other and i think a lot of it explain is explained when you hear the talking because it's a bit uh, i think i think the the term that's being used a lot is mumblecore i think um, basically a mumble fest i think it's a funny one isn't it because realistically in in a real world you do expect like that's the sort of conversation they are all quite or very naturalistic in terms of their acting styles like Mm. i don't disbelieve any of the characters it's not none of them are particularly over the top and i suppose in everyday life people do mumble but then again i think they they i want to say the product the producers the the directors obviously need to make a mixture of when something's believable and when you can hear it because it's going to be plot line then an audience needs to know what the hell's going on because that i think that was the issue for me there was quite a lot of the the you know sound that i couldn't hear at all yeah it's a very quiet movie but then it's really kinda... loud sometimes as well you spend the entire time like oh remote turn it up no turn but it that down was, that was just because it was like two in the morning and betty had gone to bed and was above us and i was like <laughs> oh shit it's got too loud turn it down i'll turn it up again i can't hear what the fuck's going on well that's all right that's just typical of a, a film that should work out it's audio, I suppose. But, you know, it works a lot better with the subtitles on and you get a lot more out of what is going on. It's a very much... It's a very um, talky film, even though there is action. A lot of the kind of stuff that goes on in terms of keeping them in the club is very talky. But we'll get to that as it happens, I suppose. Yeah. Um, oh, so here's the part where they're being told that um, they've been shafted for a gig and now they have to play in um what looks like a fucking um little chef or something like that it does look like a little chef like a really run down yeah. little chef bless him they're trying but that 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 i think for a band <laughs> it's like it's a real good portrayal of like what bands have to go through and also how shit it can be the fact they're making no money this one dude standing there with a phone. I bet that's like, I bet that happens in every fucking gig, yeah. even this small. There's always the one person. I'm just going to record this with my phone. This this made me laugh. This whole, uh, oh yeah, you can have my money and all that. And it's like, there's six, there's six bucks each, which is ridiculous. I remember when, um, when I used to put on bands for a night, this works the other way as well. Because as a promoter, um, it's good if uh, the bands can bring people as well because yeah i mean you'll do the promoting but it's like if they bring people and the other band brings people you've got four bands that all bring people then you know you're gonna have like a packed out place yeah right so i used to incentivize bands by saying look here's like here's your fee but for everyone else you bring i'll give you half of the door money for those people right i remember doing one where these people brought one person <laughs> it was like so and i made the point at the end going so here's your here's your flat fee and here's your one pound <laughs> <laughs> thanks fuckers so yeah um, they, well they do that sort of now don't they i've got a few friends that are musicians um yeah. and there's quite a lot of venues in london i think the majority of them now where you have to buy tickets oh it's a, that's that's and such then a big you con. sell them it is a massive yeah. con yeah, a friend of mine had the same problem. Go on, sorry. All the big venues do it now. Like there's, there doesn't seem to be. I think unless, 
unless you're a band with a massive um, either a massive following immediately or um, you've just got loads of money you're just from a wealthy background and there's no way mm. you can actually play anywhere it's a shame because I mean there's a lot of people that are incredibly talented and that might never be seen it's true yeah I remember um, at the garage in Islington in London my my friend Paul his band used to play and whenever they got like the big main hall downstairs, it was through a company that were like, "You've got to buy a hundred tickets, and then resell them." So what the what the promoter was doing was basically covering his ass for all costs and probably yeah. making some on top of that. And it's like, I think there's got to be like a, a midway point between that. Like I know the pro- the promoter can't cover everything, but it should be like a joint thing. I mean, they are supposed to be promoting the gig after all. Well, yeah, that that's kind of the thing, isn't it? It's like, what's his job? what's the promoter's job at all if you're doing the promoting and you're paying the money out then and you're basically managing everything yeah then what is the point of this job this this guy's job is just basically taking money can you imagine if elton if that's what elton john had to do when he first got out (laughs) elton i'm sorry mate you've got a you've got a um sell you've got to buy 200 tickets for yourself and you've got to sell them Imagine flogging him down like Portobello Market. Isn't, isn't that technically what Robbie Williams did at Christmas when his his uh, management company bought the tickets for his tour and then oh, resold God. them on the reseller website? And apparently, it's not illegal, but it's a fucking sting. Like, oh, what, like what how a can dick we make... move? Yeah, yeah, real dick move. Yeah. I mean, he did he did bring out about an album called Swings Both Swings Both Ways. So, I mean, they had to make money back somehow, didn't they? <laughs> He's still trying to dig himself out of that money. Oh, pit. what a bad title! Who, someone, <laughs> the person who did that didn't like Robbie or thought it was hilarious, and then obviously all that the the producers were like, mm, "Yeah, yeah, that looks looks that looks really good. I like that. That title really embodies, you know, what we're the direction we're going with Robbie. Yeah, with well, the it's, uh... you know the swing." And the it's different ways album. he's going. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Robbie, it's a swing album. How many? How many swing? How, it's like the guys in the marketing department. I want fifty swing puns, fifty of them by Monday, and the best one's the album title. Oh, I bet the guy that um, made that title up, if no one realised, was literally stood there like, <laughs> just like really snickering, just going, "I was just going to see how far I can take this." Maybe he just hated his job and said it really sarcastically. Like, oh god was, can you imagine he knew he knew he was handing his his notice in on friday he's like what about what what about swings what about swings both ways because uh <laughs> you know everyone everyone already suspects things about about robbie because you know he's a singer and uh <laughs> and that's about it really that's all they've got to go on um yeah, well, swings both ways. I think that would be the best, the best title. That's literally so funny. <clears throat> All right, so um, <laughs> I've just noticed that they've they've spelt the band's name wrong. So the band is actually called the Ain't Rights, and they've called the Aren't Rights. Ain't Rights is a really good title for a band, really good yeah. name for a band. Like it's the hardest thing in the world. I wonder how long uh, Jeremy Sonier, when he was writing this, had to come up with a decent band title, because that's a fucker trying to think of a band title I think as well um, you know it sounds like a, a really weird one but you know if the what? band title wasn't right and the band were terrible I don't think yeah. you'd actually as an audience like the characters as much I know that sounds really 
Yeah. Obviously, no, get... you like them in the end anyway, and you kind of forget yeah. they're a part of a band, but obviously they're a band for quite a, a huge part of the film. They but need think... to have a cool name yeah, for you to get on to. side, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, it just reminded me, though, of like... Um, <clears throat> I don't think NME do this anymore because they're not really that kind of publication, but they used to have gig listings in the back of the enemy and it was one of um, my favorite things was to go through it with a couple of my mates and we would look at the worst band names oh, on God. the bill that week and some were amazing um, although the only two I can think of right now or I list there's like what names could I remember from back in the day guitar fucker was one of them I thought was terrible <laughs> but I, the one the one that stuck out most for oh, us God. was dog bonfire <laughs> What? So what a name for a band. We are Dog Bonfire. Good night. Is that is that Hello like... Brixton? <laughs> we are Dog Bonfire. Is that like um putting dogs on a bonfire? Or is that a dog so. lighting a bonfire? Oh, interesting. You could be two kinds of bands. You could be like a proper metal band, Dog Bonfire, or you could be a twee band that talk about dogs having bonfires. <laughs> It works either way. Oh, I like this bit of the film. This this whole sequence here where they're playing... Um, oh, I didn't notice you saw around Nazi... Imogen Poots yeah. there. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, look, and that's the girl that dies. But look, see this whole trade-off as a character. It's a really good story being told just through like one sequence of them swapping shit over, that guy watching what's going on, and old Anton, whose name in this is Pat, watching what was going on. Shit, I didn't so realise this... that. Then that gives them motive to be... Yes, Upstairs. that's the whole that's the whole subplot of the oh, film being I sewn totally in. Missed that. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. The last second time I watched it, I was like, ah, yeah. And I like the fact they just they just decided really stupidly to play Nazi punks. Fuck off in front of a whole bunch of Nazi punks. Um, they're good for it though. I mean, they've got the balls to stand there in front of a whole bunch of weird far right or far left, as as the person described it earlier. Like, I like how that as well. It's almost like. Um, we don't really know what the political view is going on here. It's just, you know, it's very, we do our own thing and we're white and that's about it. And this sequence, I love the sequence because they were talking about earlier, like the energy shared between a band and an audience through music. And it's yeah. really well shot here with the slow-mo and the band getting into it and the crowd getting into it. I think, um, I wonder if Jerry, Jeremy Sauna was ever in a band or... Maybe, yeah. Clearly experience this kind of small gig uh, environment because it can be like that. And I I love the fact this film is only like 15 minutes in, but everything that needs to be said about the band and the music and why they do what they do, it's just all done. It's I like mean, 15 thing, minutes in, you know who this band are and why they do what they do. The, the thing that I, I particularly like about that as well, I mean, punk music is pretty like crazy, to say yeah. the least. To have sort of a moment, you know, of that sort of euphoric, moment they obviously really really thought about that yeah no, really it's, really really thought about it it's it's it really kind of like adds a layer to you know why this band because you know it's shit pay they're on the road they're they're um stealing petrol and all this shit it's not it's not a good it's not a good way to live but no. it's like, that's why they do it and it gives them a reason which yeah, is which is one of the go. things i actually like about this is um there's always oh. Oh no. Knife in the head. The catalyst. Oh, there we go. The lock in, ladies and gentlemen. The lock in. It's happened. That guy's massive. Oh, you're not going to get away, mate, but nice try. No. 
yeah the phone thing was like he uh, i don't know was that a good idea maybe no. he should have like maybe think, it should have just been like it's cool it's cool i didn't see shit yeah i think uh, you, i think you'd have to do but then again you see his character in the beginning he's a bit of kind of like a nervous wreck anyway he feels like he's, he's the, the leader he's the brains but in reality well, he's a, he's quite he's nervous you know, like yeah. the rest of them are a bit ballsy and he's nervous here we yeah. go so going over to the office this is where things start to become a little dangerous because he's coming out with that fucking massive gun that five cylinder fucking looks like something a cop would pull out of the 80s is that is that mobile hut thing that I find really bizarre why is that because it's never really explained no, it is. It is. Well, it's, it's, explained, it's it? explained in the sense that it's an office and it's an office away from the club, so it's quiet. And that becomes apparent later. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, but why that does that matter, though? Why do they have to keep locking it? Like, I don't. Oh, the, it's just it's oh. just a very really weird thing, like where they they focus so much on them on the locking lock the door, the door well, and no, I just can't I think, seem to get away from that. I think that's the regimentation of of what's going on which you see a lot more of in a minute as well like why they do the things they do because what we miss there is like even when they come in like the guy who's who's delivering them to the band it's like oh you know band drummer uh you playing with the house kit or you playing with your kit okay you know things this way don't leave anything in the corridor because it's a fire hazard and the owner hates that shit and then like all their stuff is already in the corridor when they come back and there's a line about like oh i thought this was a fire hazard and we know like the real fire has is the fucking dead body that's now in the green room. But yeah. it's, everything is like, you know, it's 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 seriously disciplined, as it were. Um, everyone just relax. The cops are coming. Did we just miss the light? He says a really funny line there about like, "Hey man, you're uh, you're keeping us prisoner," and he's like, I'm "Not keeping you prisoner. We, you're just staying here a while." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think it's the same thing, to be honest. Oh, yeah, do you mind if I um? I'm just going to quickly close the door because there's a light yeah. and it's really going in my eyes. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, no I hit more regimentation with the... Uh, I'm just going to keep on talking. Oh, there he is, counting his money. There he is. Yeah, I love that bit too. And This is more about like how, how they see things. So he's gone in there to say to the guy in the office, like, I need an extra, I need 600 bucks. He's like, I just gave you 350. He's like, yeah, we've got a dead body. And he's like, well, I've still got to balance the books. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, it tells you tells you about the kind of place they're in. It was really funny, actually, because looking at, um, oh my God, I've completely forgotten his name. What's his name? Oh shit, there goes the knife. Oh man, this guy is brutal. This guy oh. does not give a fuck. Jesus. But this is the thing is that I think the the followers are Nazis, but the kind of main the kind of main baddies. <laughs> yeah. The main baddies. The main bad, yeah. <laughs> I think I think they're just kind of maybe psychopaths. Like as in they're they're in it for the money and they have this regiment and the reason that they're out in the middle of nowhere is that they they can be in charge. Whereas in the real world in like a city or a town there are laws and rules in place. Whereas out yes. in the middle of nowhere in the woods, they can carry on business, they can make a fuckload of money and actually not really do anything. Well, that's like, that's the ideology behind it, isn't it? That's why so much of America is um, is all about kind of either conservatism or libertarianism. It's that kind of, you know, 
we don't want big government ruling over us because we want to control our own shit. We want to do what we want to do um, and handle it our way. And, and that's what's going on here. Like, you see the whole thing is entirely regimented. But as we later discover, when they when they find the heroine in the secret room yeah none of this is about ideology oh no none of this is about neo-nazism really that's all just a kind of a wall and a a kind of a discipline a method of making a shit ton of money through drugs so you know it's about getting those people isn't it following if they kind of make it into sort of an army regimented thing they can get more people following because if you just have like drugs people just want to get involved with the money yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know if he's sharing the money with very many people. Here he comes, Patrick. Oh, Patrick Stewart. Oh, that was it, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Oh, he's good. But you know what? Actually, this is Darcy. But I think I just want to refer to him as Patrick Stewart because he is. No, oh, he's you know he's so the Patrick Stewart, Stewart isn't he? John Luke Picard. Yeah. I just love it. Professor but... X. My God, so many roles. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know what? I don't. You know, if he was one of the um the people in, well, obviously, if he was in the band, I wouldn't believe he was in the band. But um, Patrick Shear, that would be that would but be you know, even better. Was, yeah, imagine a Just gang a of youth is like, oh, Patrick Stewart. Um, <laughs> but if he was, uh, if he was on the other side of it, say it was a different film, and he was one of the people, you know, being hunted, or mm. he was one of the victims, I guess, I wouldn't yeah. believe it. Because he's so famous, but I totally believe oh, him being a believe believe him being the kind of mastermind. Yeah, and he is very well cast as being a mastermind anyway. Mm. But um, but yeah, I don't think I could believe him as being, you know, victim. Also, I, I think I'd he's... have a, <laughs> I'd have a hard time thinking him as the lead singer of the band. Yeah, although I, I would watch that movie. <laughs> I would certainly watch that movie. <laughs> Patrick Stewart and the Punks on yeah. tour would be. It's like Josie and the Pussycats. It's Patrick Stewart and the Pussycats <laughs> would be an awesome movie to watch. It really. Oh, is. things are things are getting nasty now. The guns out. Oh, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This guy is full of kind of like um, fucking Clint Eastwood lines. Yeah. He's a great <laughs> really character, is. isn't he? And he's so unassuming. Yeah. Like he just looks like. He's just. I don't know. He's just so sort of average American guy. But physically, he's like Jesus Christ. You don't want to fuck with this guy. No. He's like, this gun's only got five bullets because the cartridges are so fucking big. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a big fucking gun. Sit the fuck down. Um. So here it begins. Like, look, and it's all the details, and they're already calculating shit. He's like, you called. And he's trying to work out who knows stuff. It's almost like, um, oh, actually, he's reminded me. He reminds me of a few characters. Now I think about it, he reminds me a little bit of um, Winston Wolfe from Pulp Fiction, the Harvey yeah. Keitel character, in that he knows how to clean up something. So you look, check emails, see where they're going, who else knows about this, blah 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 blah. You know what though? I actually don't think he does, because you know, in reality. The way that he's actually answering everything, he's it seems like he's pretending to know what to do. Like he's ran through the scenario in his head quite a few times. But actually well, I mean, it's it's really escalated because the way that they actually reacted to it is not in a very quick way of being like, Okay, shoot him, 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 let's get rid of them. It's like it's very calculated, they're like, lock him in the room and then then we'll figure it out. 
Well, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, but that's that's because I think um, you've got that uh, Gabe character, who's the guy talking to Patrick Stewart now, and you know Gabe has obviously tried to contain this, as it were. But that that um, conversation they just had was great because he's basically bringing Patrick Stewart up to speed on what's happened. And, you know, he said the whole thing was pretty rapid fire. It happened It happened too quickly for him to do anything. And he said, you know, contain. And Patrick Stewart turns to him and is like, contain? He's yeah. like, this is a fucking shitstorm. And he's like, we all love Worm, who's the guy who did the murder. He goes, but he goes, it probably would have been better if you just fucking visited him in prison. I had had this just, had the, had, had the murder just happened and they called the cops and Worm had been arrested, then Patrick Stewart would have been fucking fine with that. Um, but now they're in a situation where they've held the band for a certain amount of time. So now his whole business is in fucking yeah. trouble because of they didn't really know how to contain the thing properly. But um, Which makes me think that it, it <clears throat> hasn't happened before. And it's not. Because I mean, the way that Patrick Stewart acts and the way that everyone ex- you know kind of goes to him for advice makes it seem like they expect Patrick Stewart to be this kind of all-seeing, all-knowing guy that's done this a million times before and know exactly what to do and everything's great. But in reality, when you see the way that he's acting, it's like he's pretending to know what's going on. But oh, I don't in know. reality, he he's kind of like, he knows the logistics of what he should do, but hasn't done it before. Yeah, so no, I don't know how I... it's going to play out. I don't. I don't think. I think he's. You know, he's he's proactively responding to the situation as as it unfolds or as it has unfolded. There's. They intimate later on that like you know murder is. This is not the first time there's been any murder around here. But I I imagine it's not usually witnessed by anyone outside of the community. That's the issue here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And now they're having the whole. Uh, back and forth about what to do this is i think this is played out really well in a really realistic way as well yeah. oh yeah he just goes for him i love that he just goes to bite his fucking shoulder <laughs> I love that. and then this dude's like a fucking i did wrestling in school clearly because he's the one who was aggro-y to the the journalist <laughs> before as well now he's going with a fucking leg uh, like an arm lock as well he did well to take him down that guy's yeah. like twice the size of both of them it's like when in doubt run at the guy and bite him in the shoulder I'll, I'll remember that. I just That's love it. Imogen Poots. I absolutely love her. Like, I didn't even realise it was Imogen Poots. No, I until didn't. Until way late into it. But I in this film, she's just she's just sick. Like she just is. She's she's British, isn't she? As well, Imogen Poots. I think she is. Yeah. I think I say that because I remember seeing her in Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Renner was also in that. That was one of his first roles. Oh, first kind of big things. Here we go. So now the negotiation begins. Um, oh shit! You can tell. Like the thing is, as well, you can tell they're all really fearful. Yeah. Of of the of Darcy Patrick Stewart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they they just even like physically like they're all kind of hunched. All their shoulders are up. It's tense. Yeah, it's so um, weird as well because it's oh, it's like um a school teacher and. It's almost like it's like um, the leader of a pack of dogs. That's a good, yeah, yeah. That's which, what it reminds me of. Like, which worse, like, I suppose, because the head wolf thing. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really make any sense. So there's the head wolf in a pack yeah. of dogs. It's the only wolf in a pack of dogs. <laughs> yeah, we'll go for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's um, 
yeah i think he plays it i think he plays it spot on this is the thing i think as well like people criticizing the film and i saw one criticism which was oh patrick stewart he doesn't he never gets angry and shit it's like he's not trying to play it angry he's trying to play the whole thing like he never raises his voice yeah but he, do, he doesn't need to why would he no. raise his voice but he's, he's calculated everyone he's is like yeah that's that's way more scary than someone just shouting yeah you don't you don't run a secret fucking heroin business with a front of uh you know a, a far right unit <laughs> without learning a thing or two yeah so that's what's going on here oh this is good too so he's now talking about the dogs so he's already got the idea with the petrol can okay they got on your land they tried to siphon petrol yeah. and they're going to get attacked by dogs and then the guy's talking about you know look he doesn't want to use any of his studs or his champs because they're 20 grand a, a dog but then he's there's a great line here because he's like you may lose your livelihood today he's like be, he's like honestly you may lose all your dogs he goes but as long as i keep mine you'll be well compensated i just like that line i think that's he's got he's got the art of diplomacy down to a t he's yeah. just they are like up against <laughs> it's like it's a very mastermind character and actually the more i watch it the more clinical he is yeah and you Do know it reminds I... me of it reminds me of walter white it that's literally of... what i was just about to say heisenberg oh, yes yes yes, yes yes like as well i think in reality, I keep saying in reality, don't I? I just keep going back to the same phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Stewart's character, um, it, he's very, very clinical throughout the entire film, but this is a film and not a series. So where you yeah. would see um, uh, Brian Cranston's character develop into Heisenberg and become this very clinical character when he's in that yeah. scenario in front of people, in front of his peers and the people he's doing deals with, He's incredibly clinical. It's only when bad shit happens to him that he then turns. But you can go you can go through like a couple of episodes of him not getting angry and not shouting. That's an entire film. So yeah. like in realistically, Patrick Stewart is completely believable because he is in that situation where he needs to be clinical. He wouldn't be shouting because oh. then it would mean he's lost his shit. It reminds me that it, well, he he's like he's the full Heisenberg, isn't he? Yeah. It reminds me of that whole sequence when he's Heisenberg has arranged for um like how many people like thirteen people in prison to all die in the same three minute time period. It's that clinical oh, yeah. moment, and all he's doing <clears throat> is washing the fucking dishes. Yeah. While that's all going on, and one guy gets like set on fire, and another guy gets stabbed like fifty times. It's really gory shit. All the while he's doing the dishes, and um, although this is obviously um, uh, Patrick Stewart is getting his hands a little bit dirtier than that, he's making sure like he's got his minions to do all all of his bidding for him. I think all the work. It's funny as well though because if you look at if you actually compare both those characters, um, you know you've got Walter White's character is is a family man he's got a lot more to lose but he's also very humanized from the beginning that which yeah. makes you like that character whereas because um this is such a short period of time and they need you to like a lot of people in such a short space of time in green room they haven't really got enough time to actually go into patrick stewart's character at all no they just ha he has to be this clinical person and but you don't actually know who he is. He has, doesn't seem to have any family. This seems to be his entirety of his life, which is yeah, yeah. fine. Well, yeah, that's. I, I suppose that's the kind of that's the skill to good 
script right screenwriting in terms of a film if you can lay that you know that the beauty is he's trying to lay out a character and lay out an entire story in an hour and a half as succinctly as possible yeah. um whereas although it's the trend nowadays is, is for us to get more layered chapter stuff from tv where most of the good stuff is actually happening but um no, it's just it's it's a pretty decent depiction of like you've stumbled into this fucking hive of, um, to quote Star Wars scum and villainy, <laughs> and like, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're you're fucking with a far right jab of the hut. So what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> really? Um, oh yeah, the lights go out. Oh, I love this bit. I love this. This is a uh, image in Poots lighting the cigarette in the dark. Yeah, now. and this is where you actually know really that she's well bad as fuck. Yeah, actually, th- that's something to. This yeah, is the moment where I was just like, on. she's going to survive. That was that pinnacle moment for me personally, because when you see her originally, she's like, she's in bits. She's crying because her mates died. She's this character that you've only seen once in passing. That I didn't even yeah. notice that exchange was happening until you brought it to my attention yes. the second time watching it. So. This is the first time that you actually see her character, the other side of her character, where she's like, I'm just about to fuck shit up. I'm going to go crazy. I'm actually pretty dangerous. I'm sort of forced to be reckoned with. She's composed herself at this point. And I like that. That's a a really smart move with the cigarette because they're in the dark. They don't want the guy jumping, that Justin guy jumping out of the seat. So she gives him the fag and it's like uh, the cigarette, I should say. And... um, british time that and uh, she says if you see if you see the cherry if you see the cherry do something you don't like shoot um yeah i like that why do the lights go off though do we know is that just to to um to get rid of the crowd oh okay to say that there's been a power cut yeah yeah so uh... i hadn't put two and two together previously i thought they were just doing it to mess with the characters and actually that's quite interesting because normally that is the case you know um when you have it in other films and the power gets cut or the phone's lines are cut, it's usually yeah. to do with the people, the victims. Yeah, but this is yeah, this, but this is all part of the manipulation. Yeah. Like he's like he's had he's got that list now of people that he will trust uh, to do something. And there's here's the, here's the here's the subplot picking up again with this guy trying to call his his girlfriend, but her phone's been taken to the office because she's dead. Um, oh, I didn't even realise that was something I didn't know at all. Actually, that yeah, was so the, something that really confused me. So that was the girl with the knife in her head. Yeah, the girl with the knife in the head was going to run away with the red jacket guy. Oh right, okay. And that's why she's been killed because her her current boyfriend, the giant guy called Worm, wasn't having it, so he stabbed her in the head and killed her. Now this guy outside, I think his name is Matthew. I could be wrong. Redcoat, we'll call him. He doesn't know she's dead at this point. He's trying to call her and can't get through to her. He knows something's up, but he doesn't know what it is. And now they're taking his new car, which he was going to run away with a girl for, and they're letting the band take it away. Now here, here more cunningness. He gives heroin to, to Gabe to give to the band. Tell them the party is on us. If they hold up for a couple of days, right? And then Gabe has looked at the heroin and he's seen that it's got um, blood on it no no not, not blood it's, oh. it's got like a sticker on it that marks out that the heroin isn't it's like from some some other gang some uh, some black gang somewhere else in town oh right, right. okay 
And the reason Patrick Stewart says that is he goes, it's smart to make it look, well, he says it, he says it in a racist way, but he's like, it's better to have their symbol on it so it doesn't come back to us. So he's always, ah. everything is calculated. But this is the, I think this is the issue that people have is that a lot of that is explained through slightly mumbled dialogue. Yeah. So it's hard to know what's going on. I think it's worth watching this film. Anyone who's only seen it once, it's worth watching again because there's loads you pick up on the second time round. Um, and maybe that's a failure of the film not to do it the first time, but maybe it's you can enjoy the film by watching it again. Um, it's not- here we go. Look, look at this. Look, he's already divided. This is, this is the whole bit where uh, Patrick Stewart basically talks them into giving up the gun. Scene. So this is a ama- this is actually one of the moments that you know as an audience member you start screaming at the TV being like what <laughs> are you doing you idiot I mean yeah. I was but obviously I know that yeah. it's a horror film um, and they don't I still think it's stupid though it's, that's your only leverage if they've got loads of guns outside and you've got one gun between six of you you don't yeah. give up your gun you go I've got leverage here because it's still got that guy in there that it'll you know, kill him very easily. Uh, oh, Justin's still alive at this point, isn't he? Yeah. They haven't bumped him off yet. Yeah, which is but what this... I don't really understand because it's the only way they can keep him at bay. He's massive. Doesn't he just break through? It's going to happen in a second anyway. I know that. But he um, just... Oh, no, um... it, all, it all happens at the same time. That's it. I realise the second yeah. time you're watching this. Yeah. Everything happens at once, um, which is cool because it's really gripping. Yeah. But if you listen to what Patrick Stewart is saying to them, He's like, so manipulative, isn't he? Yeah. And you can just yeah. see at this point why he is in the position that he's in. Because yeah. he's yeah. just so good at talking and he's so good at convincing someone. And yeah, he's just... They should uh, they should put Patrick Stewart up as like the representative for Brexit because, man, he'd get us a good deal. Like, yeah, he would. He manages to talk five people out of giving up a gun from behind a locked door. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty good stuff. But he makes he makes it... He makes it seem so reasonable. It's like, yeah, he does. Look, look, you're an out of town band. One of my people is injured in that room, and you've got a loaded stolen gun. He's like, you know, am I within my right to come in and shoot you? I believe by law I am. It's like earlier as well. Did you notice the bit where Gabe got those two twins and he paid one of them to stab the other one? Yeah, and then took the money. Yeah, that's purely because. Uh, they called the police. They needed something to tie up with that. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he knew he knew where to stab him. And he's like, and then he tells him that blade is two inches too short for you to be convicted of a of like GBH or whatever it is. So he's like, you'll be fine. You're underage, and the knife is too small for you to be able to uh, get charged with anything. So they know they know all these things. It's a really good representation of. Uh, it's a really good kind of force of of who the bad guys are. They're yeah. not stupid. They're not, you know, there's always this, oh, yeah, you're racist, oh, fucking Nazis, oh, they're dicks, they're stupid, they say stupid shit. But, like, these guys are regimented, like, properly, and they are smart, they know the rules, they know how to bend them to to, to the effect where they're going to get away with shit, and that's how they manage to, you know, run this successful little drug empire that they've got going on well I suppose that's um well that's just history repeating itself isn't it in a, in a way when you have yeah. one person that is you know a dictator i.e patrick stewart um yeah. who is the brains and then you have a collection of stupid people um where he has you know played on a hatred of something to make them do what he wants them to do 
to make yeah. him money. And I there's only even... like a couple of intelligent people that you see later on in the film and you go, like there's a kind of right hand man. I don't I don't know his name, but I quite like him. He's a good actor as well. Um Gabe. The Gabe. guy the guy yeah. Yeah. Um and you kind of can see the cogs turning throughout the whole thing. He's like he's yeah. gotten himself in this weird position, but he kind of knows it's not quite right and something's you know, it's not like the other other kind of drones that just seem to follow anything he says and are there for the mm. cause. Well, the one thing I would say about that is, though, I don't, I don't particularly think that everyone that joins Patrick Stewart's cause is stupid. I just think they're highly manipulatable. If that's the word, yeah, manipulatable. They, they Manip- can be manipulated. I can't even fucking talk. Manipulated. Yeah, they're manipulated. <laughs> manipulated. <laughs> Fuck, Paul, Jesus. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're highly, they can be highly manipulated, and uh, yeah, this goes for. I don't know if it's even been said yet, but like with Imogen Poot's character, they said. You know, why the you know, keep this Nazi away from me or something? And she's like, I'm not a fucking Nazi. It's like, how did you end up with all these dicks? And she's like, well, it was better being here than being beaten in the place I was before. So you yeah. can imagine, he's like fucking Fagan. He's taking in all the all the kind of you know the ones who are being mistreated. All the he's rejects. given them purpose, but he's yeah. also he's, he's just he's just doing it to to bend to his will and fucking make money out of it. Here we go. It's actually agreed. Is it weird? Oh. Shit, like, oh, oh, we'll keep the bullets, but we're giving you the gun. It's like, that's a stupid idea, man. No, I know. I go. thought, well, what are they going to do then? Like, just put. Well, it's a stupid idea because it's not. Is it? Well, I think it's, it's it's supposed to be so. I like that. Oh, this gun is unregistered, but he's like, careful. The gun is a gift. When yeah. he throws it, it's weird. Red laces. They're killing us. Keep the gun. Here it goes. Oh, man. And he's they're, they're all at once. Oh, his fucking oh, arm. Jesus. You know what is wow? I really like the idea that obviously you know when they're cutting his arm off oh, because you can't see it, you don't know what's going on. Oh. Yeah. But like, oh man. Okay, this is oh. another Harry. This is this is a Harry Potter moment because this reminds me of when Harry had no bones in his hand, only much worse. Yeah. Oh, yes, Paul. It is much worse. It's so disgusting. It's so grim. It's oh, so well shit. done. It makes my legs go funny. But look, everything at once. The guy's broken arm. The chops. And then this will all be over soon, gentlemen. It's basically like I'm about to kill you. Ah, oh, such a, you know, here it's he comes. Such a badass as well. Here we go. That another bad. I fucking crush you. Just clotheslines her to the floor. Oh, he's basically a wrestler. But again, he gets fucked. Like, again, it's the same move. I mean, he needs to learn from his mistakes, really, doesn't he? Well, he can't now. I think if Jeremy Sautner is a wrestling fan, he always liked the kind of acrobatic dude over the Andre the Giant type. Because just twice he got him in the chokehold. This is the next bit that I really don't like. It doesn't make make any sense. Yeah, but have you ever cut anyone in the stomach with a Stanley knife? Have you? Do you know what would happen? But it's like it's almost like he's cutting open like a packet of bacon or something. It's yeah, it is. It's that easy. But also like this this whole thing about putting him in the chokehold to put him to sleep. Um, I was reading it only takes like seven seconds to knock someone out doing that. And if you keep that that chokehold on for like more than 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 twenty seconds, you're you're going to incur brain damage in like a minute, and they're dead. That's it. They're done. Fucking hell. But this film hasn't even got a minute to to wait around with this shit. She's just gonna. This is how you know, though. Like um, Imogen Poot's character is just such a fucking badass. 
she's decided that's it well, I she's think gone she's commando damaged, already isn't she? she's like she's damaged Oh yeah, because she comes. You know, she comes. She's from, come she comes from, from a such a family. Yeah, so it's like, but she's the only one that's from that to that degree. And then also, you've got to remember that she's been introduced. If she's one that's like doing all the drug dealing and all that sort of shit for the Nazis, she's probably seen. No, she's me. not a drug dealer. She doesn't know about it. She's surprised by it when they when they find the secret room. I thought she was she one did. that was like no, 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 not the drug thing. But like, as in, you know, earlier when the band are playing. Yeah. Um. And oh, is that drugs? I thought that was money. Oh, I thought it was like a brown envelope thing, like a oh. little brown thing, which I thought oh, it was drugs. Oh, no, actually, it's not even that. It's the note. It's the note they passed because they pulled it out of her shirt. So like, what does this mean? It's the song that they were going to leave on. Here you go. This is where he finds out. Oh, was, shit. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. They were going to leave on a certain song. Yeah. So he's like, let's just get in there because he knows. Here we go. We're not coming apart is what we're doing. He's so calculated. Yeah, and he knows already as well about him. He's so yeah. like. He's oh no, he like, doesn't. He doesn't. You. He's going to clock it in a minute. He doesn't clock it yet. I think but he's he suspects clock it in about something five though. I think he yes, suspects he something that he's acting very weird because obviously this is what he yeah. wants all the time, and now he's he, like freaking out. Yeah, he turns to Gabe soon and he says, "Why didn't you want Matthew working on the door?" That's it. So he does suspect something. Is this is this is this a, a horror trope where? Um, there's a there's a place that looks like daylight, but it's not daylight. I've seen that in movies before. I remember The Descent did that. Where, oh, look, it's daylight, but it's not. It's just a reflection or something. In this this case, it's a, a horrible, drug den. badass drug den. Yeah. Well, you know, he doesn't well, like a drug den. I mean, it's like a miniature version of the fucking uh, chicken shop basement, isn't it? It's, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't know what you were talking about then. I thought you meant like the chicken Sorry. shop is in a Channel 4 documentary. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did that happen we were just filming chicken family. shop and there was a drug den underneath the chicken shop who knew channel 4 striking gold oh dear um, what is that top what's that thing that thing on her top as well I always want to see it it reminds me of braces oh that is yeah. that is an album cover I'm really sure I, I can't this is what I was thinking from. but I didn't know what it was from and I just wondered whether it had any significance because obviously, you know, if you're name. getting what's her name? Let's try. Let's do a little bit of uh, let's do a little bit of IMDb stuff. Because she's obviously um, oh, her name's Sam. There we go. What her actual name uh, is uh, Sam? No, her name in this is Sam. Oh, she's good name. Alia Shawcat, who was um, she's most famous for playing um, maybe in Arrested Development. That's where. Oh, that's what she's shit, from. Shit, yeah. Yes. I didn't okay, even realise that. Yeah. What is on Sam's T-shirt? Oh, there's their little connection look. And she's like, you're not too bad now. I like you. Oh, they have a, yeah, they have a moment. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true though, isn't it? Because it's like, then you see them, it's their first connection. Because like, in you know, looking at it, from an outside perspective when you first watch the film yeah you don't know Imogen Poot's character at all she's just a random girl but you've had a chance to kind of get to know some of the characters a little bit especially the main character uh, what's he called? Pat the main guy Pat so oh, you kind of get Look, to know him there. and I think that connection is really really important because that's when you start to realise that her character is actually quite important because at first I thought she was probably going to die 
she was probably going to be the first one to die until that moment with the cigarette. Yeah, she's a survivor. Yeah, because she's kind of all over the place until that yeah. moment, isn't she? Oh, I hate it when these pop-ups come up. Okay, so there's an article. Your guide to every single punk band mentioned in gory thriller Green Room. I don't know if this is going to... Oh, it's the duct tape bit. Oh, hang on. Yeah, you've got to love duct tape, though. We'll solve any situation. Was it you that um, got made a, a wallet out of duct tape? I did, yeah, when I was working at... Um, was working at a music marketing place and we had um an intern who was was kind of a pretty pretty scraggly looking guy i'd say he was a hipster before his time actually it's like 2003 and he had a big beard and mm. i had he maybe had dreadlocks he just looked a bit kind of like he needed a bath but like he made he, he had he, he made loads of things out of duct tape he made a whole uh, man bag out of duct tape that he was carrying around and he made he made us all little purses and wallets it's kind of cool. Bless him. Um, I mean, he's he's quite impressive. Yeah. Oh, I can't find out uh, whose t-shirt this name writes. Mention minor threat as an influence, and Pat even sports a minor threat t-shirt. No, I can't. So, what's uh, minor threat then? That's a band, but okay, that's not. That's not her t-shirt. That's that's his. Pat's oh, this is where he gives his. This is where he gives his pep talk. He gives his whole kind of uh, parable about you've got to treat it like it's um, a game, like it's paintball, because that's the only way to get. You got to treat it like a game, <laughs> and then like he just gets cut off halfway through. I but love he's, it. You know, I he's love the quiet how, member. Um, I love like, it how he's he he's like completely delusional, and everyone just goes, "Yeah, okay, we'll do what you say." Guy that's lost loads of blood. And is now delusional and probably will die. <laughs> they kind they kind of have the uh, the patience to listen to it for a while. Like, okay, is this story going anywhere, or is it just a rambling fucking thing? Because he's just had his arm practically chopped off. God damn it! I want to find out what that is. Her t-shirt. Um, I just feel like it might be significant because they're quite. It's quite bold. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's overly significant. It's just kind of they're all steeped in punk rock oh yeah he's wearing a minor threat t-shirt there it is yeah I will find out what that bloody thing is stop okay we're going to pause it there we're going to pause it at 52 minutes 01 seconds it's a cliffhanger it's the moment before the band uh, leave the green room for the first time since they entered the green room and got stuck in this oh so fucked up predicament um, will they make it? That's the cliffhanger. Although the bigger cliffhanger is, will I ever work out what the fuck is on Sam's t-shirt? I don't mean Sam, who I've been doing the commentary with. I mean Sam, the character in the movie, played by the lady who played maybe in Arrested Development. Wasn't that a smooth fucking reference? Um, all right, so we'll leave it there. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can do that at info at isawthewebcast.com. Uh, or you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. We're on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and they all share the same handle. It's I Saw the Webcast. Um, I don't even know if handle is a word that people fucking use anymore. But that's what it is. That's what our profile is. So, um, yes, please send us your questions. Tell us how, what you thought of Green Room. Um, tell us if there's anything we should really pick up. Uh, in terms of stuff we may have missed. Yeah, that's cool. 
I'm going to cut that bit out. All right. See you next week. Bye-bye for now.